0: welcome to marketing legends a program within the wvu marketing communications today podcast series marketing legends features marketing thinkers innovators practitioners and founders legends of the marketing world who join co-hosts cindy greenglass and ruth stevens to talk about their careers and share their wisdom with the marketers of today thank you for joining us
1: distribution
2: Ruth, today we are so fortunate to be chatting with Fred Reicheld, who really needs no introduction, but hey, let me just um, share a couple of the highlights. Uh, Fred is a Bain Fellow and the creator of Net Promoter System of Management, which is used worldwide as the loyalty predictor in business, as you you know. His work in the area of customer and employee retention has qualified and quantified the link between loyalty and profits. Something like so important that as we talk about metrics and measurement, he is the authority on loyalty and is author of many books and HBR articles on the subject. There's no doubt that he's a major influence among corporate and public thought leaders. Um, In fact, Consulting Magazine has chosen Fred one of the most 25 influential consultants, and the New York Times said he put loyalty economics on the map. Uh, Mm. He's the high priest of loyalty. (laughs) Are we ready (laughs) to talk to Fred? Are
1: we ever? Maybe one of our first questions should be, what does it feel like to be called a high priest? But maybe I'll actually ask you, Fred, in the context of both Cindy and I having started our careers in the world of direct and database marketing. We were just thrilled when the loyalty effect came along and we had a business case for retention marketing, especially in the world of B2B, where both Cindy and I spent most of our careers, where as little as 15% of marketing budgets are spent on current customer marketing, retention, loyalty it's we've been proselytizers for your you know in in your field for a long time but you've been called the the founder of quantitative loyalty certainly um, Cindy and I would applaud that as a moniker but are you, you okay being called that what what's it like
3: <laughs> you know it, the early part of my career i focused on the uh, the microeconomics of of loyalty of customer loyalty and um, that is a foundation because the way I think, the, I, w- I was an economics major, I trained in finance and accounting and all those things in business school. So it had to make economic sense, but I, I do think that that's secondary, the, the more fundamental uh, focus of my work has been why it makes sense to treat people right, to, um, to enrich their lives in a sustainable way it, it, because that that's more about the purpose. The the economics that underpins it makes it clear that that's an economically rational thing to do. And I, yeah, that was new at the time. It, I guess it's still new because most companies still think the purpose of, of a business is to, uh, to make shareholders rich. That that's a failing. That just doesn't work. That, that's not inspiring. It leads to all sorts of horrible outcomes. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, Putting the primary purpose as enriching the lives of customers actually does work and it makes it makes investors rich over the long haul but it, the right way
1: interesting so does that mean that you've had hard time selling this concept over time Do you, it I would have systemic that companies don't have a direct relationship with a customer that allows them to connect the the dots and Demonstrate not just what what they said they would do about referring a friend, but that the friend actually came in, came into the dealership or yeah. or the store, and that that's often the missing piece, right?
3: It, it, it is a great challenge, uh, you know. If, if you go back to the loyalty effect, my first book, and I, I laid out the net present value framework for yeah. lifetime value. There's a block in that uh, equation that says referrals. And, and I said back then, it's 30 years ago. You know, we, we don't have a good way of measuring that. And very little progress has been made in the last 30 years. Until recently, I, I've found a company called Mention Me that, ironically, founded by a former Bain employee and alum of, of Bain & Company, where I've worked for almost 50 years. Right. And, um, and he, he wrote, reached out to me after the Winning on Purpose was written said, Fred, I think this technology I've built could be useful to you. And what it what mentioned me, the business does, is it's a technology platform that lets customers refer their friends and provides a little bit of a benefit or recognition to the referrer and a warm welcome to the referee, sometimes a a, a coupon, sometimes something more subtle. Um, But that has now keeps track of who refers whom. And when they buy, how much they buy and how profitable. And then does that referred customer then make referrals and, and who actually buys as a result? So you can get the true mm. chain of, um, of outcomes that lets you correctly calculate the net pre- present value of a, promoting, a promoter customer. And it's enormous, mm. uh, it, it just changes everything. And I think as those technology platforms become more commonly available, I mean, you know, most businesses could just, you know, go online, go to mention me and (laughs) see if it can apply, but they'll start seeing the power of this. And what you start seeing Mm. is, wow, the great companies are getting far more than half of their new business through referral. Mm. And it's this, it's why Andy Taylor could do what he did and nobody really gets it back for more and bring their friends. It rolls off the tongue very easily, but if you can't measure it, it's not influencing your behavior. And now you can measure it.
2: Fantastic. That's so interesting, Fred. And you know, you're preaching to the choir here because we are so um, focused on measurement and metrics and the understanding that if you can't measure it, then it's not meaningful, right? And and you know, how do you sit down with the the CFO and and the CEO and um, explain you are successful if you can't show quantifiable results? Um, Looking at the loyalty effect and and the statement that's so quoted so often too that that you know um, you can improve um, up to you know ninety five percent of the profitability by focusing uh, very specifically on your top customers, on making them more loyal. I may not be stating that correctly, so please correct me. And this was before net promoter score. This was kind of like, and then you evolved. And we'd like you to kind of walk us through that evolution of thought and development from your standpoint.
3: Yeah, the statistic was just simply looking at the sensitivity. If you increase your retention rate from say 85% retention to 90, that five points can swing the lifetime value of a customer by up to 100%. I think it probably understates it a little bit because we didn't have the referral economics um, fully reflected, um, but it, it continues to be, it's, it's just math, it's simple arithmetic, you, you can't argue with it. But most companies don't think about lifetime value, they think about what's it do to my quarterly earnings this quarter? And uh, so I think even the implications of that insight that, my goodness, you can just generate enormous amounts of cash flow improvement um, by fixing your leaky bucket and, and bringing in the right customers and making sure they, they, uh, you earn their loyalty. And, and private equity investors get that. They're moving more quickly uh, than public companies in taking full advantage of that.
1: Mm,
2: that's encouraging. So how did you go from that to the concept of net present value?
3: Well net present value, you know finance guys love that. I learned it back in school. If you're going to make an investment in real estate or any capital intensive project, you obviously figure out how much you're investing at the front and what the the cash flows are through the years and net present value is a nice mathematical way of bringing it all yeah. back into today's dollars And uh, that framework sort of, basic you know it's falling off a log for somebody in finance right um customer marketing people were less familiar mm-hmm. but it's just as powerful and in some ways it helps because marketers can now talk to the finance guys and the accountants and be credible because they're using the same framework of investment returns the 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 problem is twofold one is i've said we don't give enough power to referrals. We didn't have a way of really quantifying it. We could only estimate it. Now we can track it. And the second is net present value happens over the years and executives are accountable to the earnings or their budget this quarter or this, 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 uh, this year. And, and so even though it's a wise investment, a lot of companies have accountability systems and org structures that, that make you overweight short term stuff. So you will cut corners and and do things to customers that destroy their loyalty. But it looks smart because it makes more money today. Like, mm-hmm. like the uh, car rental company, I rented from a car rental company this last week, I was in Florida. And uh, they had a, uh, a little toll uh, gizmo on the windshield that, that read the electronic tolls. And if you left it open, and, and, and charged even one toll, it'll charge you $7 a day for the entire length of the rental, even if you just went through a toll once that whole week. Oh. Now, hmm. there's no logic to that. It's just, you know, it's abuse. Uh, it's pure and simple. I call it bad profits. But if you're under pressure, <laughs> under pressure from your boss to meet a profit target, if it's legal, you do it. Even if it's, you know, it's ugly. no, enterprise doesn't do that stuff. They don't mark up gas by 500%. They have a set of rules that treat customer right. And, and sure enough, enterprises just crush the competition. I wouldn't be surprised if they earn more than 100% of the profits earned in that entire industry now. But oh, wow. But the public companies and the guys who had this financial mindset, mm-hmm. they just couldn't get out of their own way. And they're still, you know, the, this, this toll story I just told you, they're still flagellating themselves <laughs> and shooting themselves in the foot.
2: They just don't get it. As we say, they don't get it. It's great that you mentioned uh, net um, present value as being, you know, language of business that marketers can use to have a, a, a dialogue, you know, across out of the marketing, um, you know, bubble, because we often speak in different language and don't think about the um, the business terms, the economic terms, or financial uh, terms. But uh, because of that, I want to chat a little bit about uh, net promoter score, right, NPS, um, which is wholly embraced by marketing, not only by marketing, but by customer service and in and, and many different areas within and the business. Management. And senior management. And senior management, not necessarily finance, right? It's not kind of a financial metric in and of itself. Um, but, how did you migrate over to net pres- to, to net promoter score and and, and and do you see that as a financial metric really or not?
3: Not yet. It's still a survey based. you know the, the concept mm-hmm. of net promoter is human. It, 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 it's the assets are the people who feel like their life has been enriched, the customers. so they they come back for more and refer their friends. Those are promoters. Passives are people who get what they paid for. They're not an asset. They're not particularly loyal, but everything's fine. And then the detractors are the, the, the humans who feel like you haven't lived up. They didn't get what they paid for. And, and they uh, they dislike you for it. They'll, they'll recommend against you. Those concepts are pure. Net promoter survey, this idea of asking someone on a scale from zero to 10, how likely would you be to recommend this to a friend? Right. It has all the weaknesses of all surveys, um, you know, sampling and response bias and and uh, all the you know it's subtle. It, it, yes, but yeah, it's, it's a science. But ninety nine percent of the world doesn't understand it.
1: We've we've all and, and,
3: had know, problems
1: with salespeople trying to coach us on.
3: Oh yeah. Our answers. The, the car dealer who says, and by the way, only a 10 is a passing grade in my company and I'll lose my bonus if you give them anything lower. Right. You know, so you're not getting honest. So net promoter when used honestly and with good intentions is very powerful because it helps where retention, it's too late to fix it. Once the guy's gone, you know, the customer's gone, he wouldn't even bother talking to you in many cases. So net promoter, as a survey was my attempt at getting real time. How am I doing at building a relationship with you? And we can have a conversation about how to make it better or how to fix problems. And it, and when used correctly, it is, it's very, very useful, but misused, which I would say most people today misuse it. It's, it's as if getting a 10 was the true objective. no, mm. Treating a customer so they come back for more and bring their friends is the true objective. And if you use Net Promoter effectively, it shines a light on that process. But you can't hold people accountable and pay bonuses based on survey. I mean, it's soft and it's a, it, it, people mistakes. It's, now, if you have huge panels and you have NPS Prism as a Bane business that measures NPS on an apples to apples basis like a science, sure, pay a bonus based on that. But self-administered surveys, that's just nuts, linking it to bonuses, and that's what most people do. With good mm-hmm. intentions, the bosses will say, hey, we're, everything we take seriously in this business, we link it to someone's pay. Just be careful about linking survey responses to people's bonuses.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and, and we do hear this a lot. It's kind of, It's been a, both a guidepost and a controversial metric, not only because it's linked to payments and to commissions and sales, but we also see it linked out in customer service. And now the customer success people are, are, you know, getting beat up for their performance based on an unhappy or a negative response, or conversely, companies that are using that net promoter score and, and touting it in and of itself without any context. Like, how do you help through your uh, through Bain and through your discussions with leaders, how do you help correct this perception?
3: Well, you, you write a book called Winning on Purpose and hope that a <laughs> lot of people read it because it does. Hear, hear. It, it deals very explicitly with these problems and lays out how companies have solved them and are doing it ideally. The, there are a lot of best practice companies out there. Enterprise when it was started, you know, Apple is a great company into it with TurboTax that. Many, many companies have been part of this business movement, have, have advanced the science. Um, but a lot of people just don't pay attention and they sort of, they use an accounting mentality that, oh, we're going to get this net promoter score. That's pretty cool. It links to uh, performance, Help put it in somebody's bonus and basically destroy the credibility uh, and the inspirational potential of a North Star that says enriching the lives of customers is your main mission, Um, that leads to great things. But then you'll link it to their bonus inappropriately and you've just destroyed it.
1: Interesting. So given that, if if executives can be more realistic and thoughtful about measurement for loyalty Mm -hmm. and retention, where do you think loyalty marketing is headed down the line?
3: Well, I'd like to see. I think the greatest opportunity is in this referral area. Um, making sure you have put systems in place that help your employee help your customers refer in a way that you can observe it and learn from it, measure and manage and, and improve. Um, I, that's where I would put 90% of my effort.
1: Wow, that's exciting. Did you have some favorite uh, people who guided you in your career, Fred?
3: (laughs) I could could be like George Bush and say it was Jesus, but (laughs) it's only partly a joke because that idea of love thy neighbor as thyself and this enriching life, it's a philosophy. I mean, I'm, I'm not a real religious guy in the way that most people think about it, but this philosophy of life is is very important to me. And yeah, it works. What I didn't realize when I was young is it actually drives economic prosperity um, because it seems so selfless. But when you build relationships where you earn people's loyalty, there are so many benefits of referrals and good suggestions and repeat purchases it, it leads the apples and the enterprises and the Vanguard mutual funds and so on to, to industry leadership. They dominate. Hmm. But they, people are always, you know, they got this financial mindset. So they try to explain all the uh, why they win in terms that are uh, a little bit off center. They're not at the core. The reason they win is their underlying purpose is to enrich the lives they touch.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that those same principles are often cited in the world of services marketing, where um, thinkers like Harry Beckwith will say it's all about building a trusted relationship with customers.
3: Trust is part of it, but there's more. Um, I think to really uh, win, you have to surprise and delight customers, at mm. least occasionally. Um Costco knows that if they just had boring stores, uh, eventually you would buy online. It's just not worth the hassle of going to the, you know, the parking is inconvenient and they're always in semi out of the way places to get the cheap real estate rents. So they know you just have to have these amazing bargains that just shock and amaze every once in a while. And, and that philosophy of that goes way beyond trust, or maybe, I'm, you know, you could stretch it and say, Oh, I trust that I'll be surprised and delighted every once in a while. <laughs> but, you know, trust is a vital component. Um, economic sustainability is a vital component. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and then find out that they can't even make enough money to pay their employees or, yeah. or stay a healthy as a financial enterprise. Um, and you can, and, Someone taught me an important lesson. The, the reason that likelihood to recommend is such a good North Star is it's not just that you get a good value and it's economically rational, or it's not even good enough that it's the quality is reliable. You you wouldn't recommend a company that abuses their employees or pollutes the environment or is a social cancer in the way that so. Recommend captures all of these softer elements because you're co-branding your personal reputation. When you recommend to a friend, it's a big risk. (laughs) You're co-branding your your essential reputation with that brand or that company. So it's a big deal. And because of that, it captures both the the soft and the hard. And in a way that I, I probably didn't fully appreciate when I invented this net promoter idea.
2: Interesting. Well, now that you have um, come all this way and we have you know these incredible concepts of um, when you look back on your career, Fred, and you look back on how far you've come, um, are, is there some advice? Is there some will you go back to your younger self and 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 give yourself some advice that you uh, hadn't thought of back in the day?
3: Um, yeah, I, I, that's pretty clear to me. It's in the final chapter of winning on purpose
2: okay. in,
3: in writing that book. Um, it was a little bit of a memoir for my grandchildren so that they'd know what's important. Um, and, and, and how to think about priorities in life. The, uh, so the advice I give to everyone is, uh, especially when they're young is be very thoughtful about what what people, what organizations you spend your time with, you, you, uh, you invest in, because they essentially define your legacy and your impact in the world. It's these relationships that are worthy of your loyalty. I mean, when you invest your loyalty, it means you are embracing and endorsing what they stand for. So be really thoughtful. Uh, don't buy from companies that that abuse their customers just because you can get a good deal don't work for companies who are uh, focused on a a mission that makes your life um, that diminishes your life and and frankly i don't invest in companies that uh that i'm not proud of it's, that seems a little high-minded and theoretical but boy Somebody counted up the, the number of weeks in your life. Is it like 44,000, 40, whatever it is. Every week, think about where you've put your time, what people, what organizations, and are those the ones that are worthy of your commitment? And if not, change it.
1: Wow, that is such good advice for us at every stage of our lives.
2: Absolutely. And how fortunate are we, that you considered this time with us to be worth it. So Yay. we are so grateful and our, and our audience and listeners will be so grateful, Fred, for the time you've spent with us. You thank know, the you practical so
3: advice, thank, thank you. I, you're very kind. I have tried not just with winning on purpose, but I do a LinkedIn blog that has the most up-to-date thinking. Uh, a newsletter within that blog is called the Customer Obsession. One of the recent ones was about how to build reading discussion groups that would take winning on purpose and talk about each chapter, it, ideally cross-functional teams at different levels, talking about the, the principles and how they do or don't work in an organization. That's been a very powerful process to get this much deeper. You know, you read, reading a book is a big investment, but then it's gone. I, what I'm seeing is getting these discussions structured and getting the uh, the feedback of what needs mm. to change elevated up to the senior executives in a, in a way that lets them know where they're off off course and where there's confusion. It's a very powerful process.
1: love it. Fantastic. Book clubs all over the companies mm-hmm. at every level.
3: It's countercultural, given you know everything is 10 second web communications and 140 character but <laughs> this is deeper this is why we exist what we're trying to achieve um are we treating people uh, the way that makes us proud and if not what's getting in the way those are conversations that really deserve a deeper deeper attention
1: thank you so much
2: thank you fred
0: my pleasure You've been listening to WVU Marketing Legends, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. The WVU Reed College of Media's online programs is honored to host these amazing guests who have helped make marketing what it is today. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash today to hear previous discussions, listen to the Marketing Horizon series, subscribe to receive updates, as well as learning more about the renowned WVU Marketing Communications online programs.